Welcome back to another episode of Go Be Wyoming. Today, our special guest is Glenn Morell. He is the inaugural executive director of the Wyoming Energy Authority. Glenn is a uh, doctor in geology. Um, he's got a long history in Wyoming. Um, you'll notice from his accent that he's not from Wyoming, but um, on, on this episode, we dive into the history and creation of the Wyoming Energy Authority, their strategy for Wyoming's energy future. You know, I ask him a lot of questions in regards to the next couple years and kind of the immediate responses being done by the Wyoming Energy Authority. So again, here is our guest, Dr. Glenn Morell, the Executive Director of the Wyoming Energy Authority. Glenn, thanks for taking the time and uh, jumping on a call with us. Hey, no problem, Aaron. It's uh, always enjoy speaking to interested parties about everything around energy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I was um, just a little history on on me, Glenn. I I was doing landman work for about the last three and a half years. Um, my family's a third gen. We're, I'm a third generation Wyomingite. So it was kind of really fun to learn a little bit about Wyoming's history and oil and gas and, uh, kind of do land work. It was kind of uh, interesting for me. So, um, real quick, um, I do want to dive deep into kind of your professional career and then we will kind of talk about your career at Wyoming energy authority. So give uh, our listeners a little background on you. Yeah, well, as you can tell from my accent, I'm not a third generation Wyoming <laughs> And normally the normal joke that follows that is that I'm from actually from West Texas. But the truth <laughs> is, is um, yeah, I was born and raised in New Zealand and okay. uh, spent my <clears throat> uh, my youth there, grew up on a beach in a, in a small rural setting uh, in one of the poorest parts of the country. And um yeah, and enjoyed my surfing and all those, that sort of good stuff. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, I went to school and did well enough that I uh, ended up getting a, a scholarship to go and study in, in Amsterdam. And that was about as much fun as you can imagine it was. Uh, <laughs> got, got my PhD there, uh, went spent some time in Germany, um, and then moved over to Laramie, Wyoming in about 2007. Okay. And uh, all that, that studying I did was... Is, is in geology. I'm a geologist by training. Gotcha. But um, as soon as I finished my PhD, I, that was probably the last time I ever looked at a rock. Okay. And uh, since then, I've done mostly, well, yeah, almost entirely technology development. Gotcha. So it's very, very, very early stage technology, R&D stuff at academic settings to uh, middle of the range sort of technology development uh, to late stage new products development and introductions and commercial research and things like that <clears throat> and played in different sectors but most of the time 95 percent of the time has been in oil and gas sure. so um, landed in 2007 in laramie wyoming and i worked for the enhanced oil recovery institute there when it was part of the university well it's sorry it, it still is part of the university of wyoming but it was located at that point in laramie right it has since moved up to casper i uh, worked there um doing a bunch of different things. Um, initially, it was database work, uh, do it, kind of doing data science before data science was cool. Right. And then did a lot of reservoir uh, modeling and simulation, <clears throat> mostly as a project manager. I don't have the, the attention span to be spending months at a time playing with a model. <laughs> um, but, you know, other people are far better than I am at that sort of stuff. And then uh, towards the later part of that uh, stint, I spent the last couple of years, I guess, uh, doing, looking at CO2 enhanced oil recovery okay. and trying to understand in particular 
So I started looking at Wyoming, right? Wyoming has a rich history in CO2 EUR. And we were trying to understand who was selling what to whom in terms of CO2 flow. Okay. Uh, and at what price, what volumes, what rates. And then why or which which projects were performing well and why. And then that worked out and I expanded that study to to the to the nation, did the same sort of analysis, and that caught the eye of uh, General Electric. And GE hired me to move to, and they moved me down to Oklahoma City and uh, put me to work to build up a CO2 EUR lab in a new research facility they had there. Spent five, uh, five, six, five or six years, I can't remember now, um, with GE and GE bought Baker Hughes. They moved me over to Baker Hughes. GE changed their minds, tried to unbuy Baker Hughes. I stayed with Baker, um, pretty much doing the same job the whole time. And then in 2019, March of 2019, I managed to convince my boss that I, I needed to move back to Laramie. And uh, for some reason, he, he agreed with me <laughs> and let my family move back. Uh, and um, yeah, my, my wife, while we were in Oklahoma City, my wife worked remotely back to her job, which is still based in Laramie. Gotcha. And so I had to return the favor. So we moved back to Laramie and I worked remotely to the job in Oklahoma City for a year. Um, that brings us up to, um, and so while, while I was there, I worked on a lot of reservoir innovation. So a lot of um, digital rock physics, a lot of uh, res reservoir analytics development, a lot okay. of CO2 EUR and other EUR projects as well. Uh, it was all about subsurface reservoir productivity, enhanced oil recovery, that sort of world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that brings us up to March of or May of 2020. And I was actually caught up in the great layoff of uh, the, you know, the early stage of 2020 when the prices went negative <clears throat> and every company in the oil and gas business had some, had some stress and, and Baker included. And, and there was a round at that time. And I got caught up in that. Uh, lucky for me, uh, the Wyoming Energy Authority job was posted about a week before I got the bad news. So okay. uh, I, had I had already started the application process when I got my pink slip. So sure. um, worked out well. I got to spend six weeks hanging out with my daughter. And then I started on July 1st uh, when the authority itself came into existence uh, as, the, as the executive director of the Wyoming Energy Authority. Awesome. Well, that's a, that's kind of a, um, so you guys have been, you know, in and out of Wyoming for, that's almost about, we're close. That's probably about 15 years or so ish, yeah, you know, something like that. Yep. yeah, that's awesome. Um, so did you guys, did you graduate then? Let's see. I was trying to follow that education wise. Did you graduate from UW then? Um, no, I graduated from a different UW actually, a university of Waikato in okay. New Zealand, gotcha. uh, bachelor's and master's there. And then a PhD at the Free University of Amsterdam. Gotcha. And my wife is originally from Ohio, but she has a, um, a degree in statistics from North Carolina State, and she has her master's from UW here. Okay. And then that was, yep. And then you guys are in Laramie. Okay. Very cool. Yep. Um, no, cool. That's, that's kind of a... Um, you guys have traveled the world there, but it's kind of a cool, as you said, paid it back, you know, to come back to Wyoming and, and now here you are at the Wyoming energy authority and the, you know, our podcast, we actually started in August of 2022. So, um, this is kind of interesting to know that the Wyoming energy authority is fairly new as well. So, um, you know, you haven't been there that long yet, but what are some things, you know, kind of walk everybody through what is the Wyoming Energy Authority? Yeah, great question. So the Energy Authority, yeah, 
got kicked off on July the 1st, and it came about through the merger of two pre-existing authorities that people are probably quite familiar with, uh, the Pipeline Authority and the Infrastructure Authority. Gotcha. So they, those two were merged in terms of resources. Uh, but the, the scope of the Energy Authority is, is, is immense. It's enormous. It is the entire energy sector. So coal, oil, gas, uh, thermal generation, re- renewable generation, uranium, um, the full value chain, upstream, midstream, downstream. And um, the, the legislature did me a big favor and they added to that scope um, earlier a couple of months ago when they uh, added non-energy extractives as well. So trona, yeah. um, rare earth elements, um, bentonite, um, gold, silver, all that is under the, the banner of the Energy Authority also. Okay. So um, the scope is enormous, colossal, right? And it's, we're talking about 15, 16, $17 billion worth of commodity value every year, right? So one would imagine wow. that we have a huge facility here. And the truth is not that. So there, <laughs> there are four people in this office and we have a very, very modest budget, right? And so the the onus is very much on us acting as a coordinator because there are uh, there's literally half a dozen agencies out there that are all working in, or in some ways touching the energy sector. Mm-hmm. So the School of Energy Resources, the Enhanced Oil Recovery Institute, um, Public Service Commission is one we group that we talk to the, the Geological Survey, the Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, <clears throat> aspects of the Business Council. They're all working in ways that touch the energy sector, and that's not not difficult to do because it, energy is such a large part of Wyoming economy as it stands, right? So inevitably, you touch a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the point is really for the energy authority to sit in the middle of those agencies and be a coordinating hub and make sure that those agencies are all doing this. You know, you know, it's not a criticism, but at all, because they're they're fine, fine agencies. But it, it's that there needed to be a central coordinating hub to ensure that everybody is pursuing the same objective at the same time, uh, pulling on the same rope at the same time, if you will. You know, to make sure that we're all working towards the same goal. Okay. So that's a big part of what we do. A, a huge part of what we do is simply making sure that everybody's is is doing the right thing at the right time. And we do that through administration of the strategy, the energy strategy. Is, is our responsibility. Okay. Uh, we, we are set up to act essentially as a curator of the energy strategy itself, uh, working closely with the governor's office and the Joint Minerals and Economic Development Committee and working with them to, to develop a strategy that does provide a single unifying objective for everybody in Wyoming to follow. Uh, it provides for various strategic pillars so people understand what is in bounds and out of, out of bounds in terms of how do we work forward to sustain and secure the energy sector, as well as um, administ- initiate, um, initializing and administering uh, statewide initiatives like a hydrogen initiative or a sequestration initiative. So bringing all the agencies together and getting them all to work uh, together on one or two or three critical uh, strategic actions and activities to get the the energy economy and the economy as a whole uh, moving forward. Right. No, that's wonderful. That's, you know, because I was very curious. I wasn't really sure um, where you guys fit in line with, you know, obviously as a landman, I had a lot of work with the oil and gas commission. So that one of my questions yeah. was kind of, but so that was very well said. Um, I think that very clears up how, what you, who, how you guys work with the already existing agencies. Um, so do you guys, um, so for example, like, so with governor Gordon, he kind of, um, 
he's the governor, obviously that started this or this got started under him, you know, which however you want to say it, but what is yep. kind of the, what's the strategy right now of WEA, um, especially with kind of what we're facing right now um, from the effects of COVID? What is kind of the... Uh, yeah, well, it's not just COVID, Aaron. I mean, it's there, COVID is almost a, um, uh, a technical uh, unforeseen event, right? A lot of the challenges that Wyoming's energy economy faces today are much larger scale structural scale macro trends that are impacting the 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 traditional sort of power base of of the energy economy itself right mm -hmm. so if you think about coal oil and gas very very rich very um very rich and, uh, and high natural abundance of that energy resource within the state and it's powered wyoming and, and literally hundreds of millions of americans uh, for the last 40 years or so However, uh, there's a very clear macro trend towards people, um, <clears throat> excuse me, people in various markets having an increasing demand and interest in, in low emissions energy. Sure. And it the, the, doesn't matter, the two big, biggest markets we have, the biggest market we have is, right now is natural gas into California. And the second biggest is coal into Texas. So California and Texas, obviously, quite different yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, communities and societies, right? But natural gas and coal also actually quite different as well. Um, but what is the one thing that is ubiquitous to both of those markets, and it doesn't matter, it, top five, top 10 markets we look at, we've studied and analyzed, uh, even in Wyoming, um, the consumer base has an interest in low, con um, low emissions energy. And we could talk about why um, as well, if we want to go there. Um, it's an interesting topic as well. But the, the point is, that's what the biggest issue is for Wyoming right now, is we have a very rich abundance of hydrocarbon resources and our consumers, um, they like their energy, they like their energy cheap, and now they like their energy with low emissions. So, you know, with the strategy moving forward, we have to be cognizant of that. We cannot just put our heads in the sand and pretend that's not happening. And uh, we can certainly have as many debates as about why it's happening as we like, but it's not going to change the fact that it is happening. Correct. And the 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 key point of any strategy is that you have to have some sort of unifying objective. There there can be pages of other objectives and steps and you know goals and whatever you want to set out, but every strategy has to have one objective, right? And um, an old mentor of mine once said that it's he he just he was a big into kayaking, right? And he used to say, Glenn, you know, when you're entering a run, the, the objective is to get out at the end of the run alive. <laughs> and, <laughs> and along the way, you'll hit rocks and pressure waves and hydraulics and eddies and things. And those are tactical things you have to respond to, but the, the objective never changes. Get to the end of the run. And uh, for, the, for the energy strategy, the unifying objective is simply that we want to continue to power the nation within all of the above energy mix. So recognizing that we have hydrocarbon and non-hydrocarbon resources that we need to, to utilize and leverage and do it in a net zero fashion. So deliver that energy with a net zero um, profile. And that is a heck of a challenge, right? Yes. Uh, there's no doubt that we're, that is a one enormous um, undertaking. But we are faced with an enormous challenge as well. And it, it's a little bit like being at the, in a baseball game, right? At the bottom of the ninth, two outs, you're, you're down by three and, and the pitcher is on deck, right? Do you, what do you do? Go for an infield hit or, or swing for the fence? You have to swing for the fence because that's the only option you have. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so 
So that's our unifying objective. Continue power the nation, all of the above energy mix, net zero goals. And the Joint Minerals Committee did give the thumbs up on that uh, objective. Uh, my board approved, um, the governor's office approved. And two or three weeks ago, you heard in the in the state of the state by Governor Gordon, he, he did make that proclamation that he wants the state to become, uh, the words he actually used were net negative. Um, net zero is a more um, recognized metric for, behind what he was saying. So he's he's also behind it. Sure. Um, yeah, so it, it is an enormous challenge, uh, but, you know, and, and people keep asking me, how are we going to do it? And to be completely honest, Aaron, I have no idea how to do it. <laughs> uh, but we've got 20 to 30 years to figure it out. And uh, you, you'll, if you check the newspapers, there are companies and nations uh, throughout the world who have made similar things, you know, net zero by 2030, net zero by 2040, net zero by 2050. Um, I guarantee you, I promise you and, and all your listeners, if you dug into those proclamations, there is no strategy behind how they're going to do it because nobody can predict what is going to happen in 20 to 30 years. But it's an aspiration. It's an aspirational goal. And there are, we know there are things we can do today, certainly, that will help um, and, and get that way, get, you know, get us all moving in the same, in the, in the right direction and develop momentum to achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. And um, there are big issues that we can uh, leverage or big technologies and big policy issues that we can leverage to get there. For example, uh, carbon capture, utilization and storage. Uh, we've done a lot of work uh, historically in that. Wyoming is, is well recognized, uh, should be more recognized actually, but we've been working on that space for 10 years and it's becoming uh, more important on a day-to-day basis that we find a way to commercialize and deploy it because it is absolutely critical to solving um, a big part of that emissions profile that Wyoming has. Uh, hydrogen is very, very interesting um, uh, prospect, a heck of a lot of potential, uh, particularly for Wyoming, given its resource base, its infrastructure base, and its st- strategy. Um, the potential there for blue hydrogen and green hydrogen to help uh, move us through and towards that overall objective is very real. And there's a lot of interest and a lot of momentum in the market for that as well. <clears throat> in some ways, uh, the fact, uh, one aspect of the Wyoming energy economy is that we export most of our energy. Uh, 90% of it is goes to different markets. Yep. In some ways, that's a challenge because we cannot influence those markets. In some ways, that's a benefit because we know that in um, in California, which is a massive market for us, a massive chunk of that emissions of our emissions profile is delivered into California. Uh, we know that California is trying to figure it out. Uh, the same goes for the Southern States Electricity Board, which includes Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas and a whole bunch of other states down there. Um, they take about 50% of our Powder River Basin coal. They also have one of the most well-financed and well-driven uh, CCUS commercialization and deployment programs in the country, if not the world. Okay. So in some ways, our consumer bases are actually going to help us hit that missions target over time. But uh, no doubt, let's not, um, you know, I'm not talking about unicorns and rainbows here, right? This is, this is an enormous challenge and I'm not going to shy away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a heck of a challenge to meet if we're going to continue to sustain the societies and communities of Wyoming uh, with, a, with a robust and healthy energy um, economy. Right. Well, and I think you've, you've hit on a, a, a key point um, and it's, very encouraging to hear that from a state level and from your guys's level, it's, it's, um, kind of something I've, I finally am hearing from all sides of the debate of energy debate 
is all energy is good energy. Like you said, we export 90%. So those states, you know, aren't those markets, I should say, really don't care. <laughs> I mean, they do care, but if it's low emissions and it's reliable and cheap, that's kind of the end of the, you know, and, and, um, you know, one thing you've mentioned all the, the traditional ones we know, but also uranium there's, I think that's also a potential too. Um, I didn't know hydrogen talk a little bit about the green and blue hydrogen. What are kind of some potentials of that in, in relation yeah. to Wyoming? Yeah. So there, they describe the different types of hydrogen. So hydrogen gotcha. is not a, it's, it's not a, it's not an energy source. It's an energy carrier. Oh, okay. And technically, technically, one could say that coal and natural gas are energy carriers as well. But what people generally are talking about when they say that is that there's no natural abundance of hydrogen. Uh, it, it's not like you can drill a well and start to extract hydrogen. Okay. Okay. It, it's a you have to you have to um, in some ways manufacture hydrogen using different different methods. Okay. And those methods are described by colors typically. So the, at the starting point, there's something called gray hydrogen and what people are generally referring to is uh, the, the, the very well-established um, uh, hydrogen generation technology called steam methane reforming, which you take natural gas, you run it through a reformer and you break that molecule down, you get hydrogen and see CO. I, I had to think and <laughs> my chemical engineer there. You, you get carbon monoxide out one end, you vent that and you capture the hydrogen and they use it a lot in refineries. It's been around, the, the method has been around for decades. Right. It's very well established. Now in blue hydrogen, it's the same process, but you capture the CO and you shift it to CO2 and then you use that CO2 in enhanced recovery or you sequester it underground, but you're, you're decarbonizing that hydrogen molecule. Gotcha. So, so blue hydrogen is hydrogen that has been sourced from a hydrocarbon base, whether it's natural gas or coal, and it's had the carbon has been captured and, and taken care of. Okay, so if you think about Wyoming, we have a lot of natural gas, we have a lot of coal. And we're also very well positioned geographically with a lot of transfer mechanisms. We have road, rail, pipelines, mm -hmm. transmission. So we can serve a lot of different markets. And one aspect of hydrogen that is very interesting, you can move it as a gas, obviously. You can blend it into a natural gas pipeline. Um, pump it, uh, piping it as a, as a pure form is troubling because you have to, there's, there's a metallurgy issue. But yes. <laughs> you can blend it into natural gas. <clears throat> Um, also, though, you can shift it to ammonia. Okay. So you can add some nitrogen there. You have an ammonia molecule and you can have an aqueous ammonia and you can pipeline it as a liquid. And liquid pipelines work far more efficiently than gas do, mm -hmm. gases do. So that's an added benefit. You can even put in a rail car at that form. You can put in a rail car and get it to any market you want. You can, you can actually also then add a little bit of carbon and shift it to urea and you can have a solid form. Okay. and ship it that way. So there's a lot of benefits in hydrogen in that case. Uh, but soon, blue hydrogen, great. Green hydrogen uh, uses electrolysis uh, and it is, uh, so you need clean uh, electricity or uh, let's say that, let's rephrase that, decarbonized electricity. Okay. So uh, wind power or solar power or geothermal or even uh, nuclear in electricity, uh, you run it through an electrolyzer and you break water down into hydrogen and oxygen. And okay. that is green hydrogen. So the green hydrogen is inherently decarbonized. Uh, blue hydrogen um, is from a hydrocarbon base with the carbon taken care of. Okay. 
And those things are uh, gathering enormous amounts of interest uh, globally in terms of how does how does the 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 world the globe itself in a very developed economy uh, economic state that it is move from a hydrocarbon based economy to a hydrogen based economy, and that's going to take time. It's going to take time, certainly, um, but it is. There's a lot of potential and a lot of prospect there, and and it's driven almost entirely by this increasing demand for low emissions energy. Mm-hmm. It was looked at 20 years ago under George W. Um, he had a big, um, big push into hydrogen 20 years ago, and it did a lot of work on it, and it sort of fizzed out. Right. And the difference between then and now is simply there's much more demand for decarbonized energy, and that is why the interest in hydrogen is, is growing again. Right. Um, I kind of want to hit on on this. You know, obviously in the, the state level and, you know, nationally and globally, I think the hardest thing, and I think Wyoming – um, is very position as you mentioned, we are positioned well in like almost all forms, all energy forms, mm-hmm. all markets. What is WEA stance or maybe your stance of like, you know, and I, and I think this is why the WA was formed is kind of like do it all. You know, we, you know, there's no reason for because we've said on our show, even though I worked in oil and gas, you know, I'm not against renewables. I mean, it's, if it works, it works, you know, it's, I mean, it's, um, as a kid, I was always interested in, in wind turbines and solar. Like it just makes sense. If you can, Mm -hmm. if it can sit there and produce energy, like awesome. However, I think there's, um, you know, the debates get so skewed. Uh, so anyways, like what, what's the WEA's position in regards to those debates? Cause like Albany County right now, they're having, um, they're having huge debates about whether they should put up that new farm or not. Um, and obviously both sides probably skew data, you, you know, what's the WEA stance in regards to like, Hey, all form of energy is good energy. And what's the best way to go about that, especially for the state. Cause I think there's no reason for us as a state to run out of power. I mean, just yeah. To me, that's absurd. Like, it's like, we've got so much, we just, we talked about hydrogen. We talked about coal. We got natural gas, uranium, you know, so, and we, we export 90%. So what's kind of, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but what's, you know, is, is that kind of what the WA is, is for? Is that kind of the goal? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, we, it, it goes back to that unifying objective, right? Where I mentioned in, in all of the above energy mix. So our position certainly is for the state that uh, we should utilize every resource we have. Uh, and without uh, prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I, I, I certainly respect 100% that certain um, communities within the state will have different preferences for how they want their right. their resources to be uh, to be utilized at a, at a county level or even a city level. And that's I respect that 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, my position is at the state level, right? And um, and that's how I take that position in terms of developing the strategy and unifying objective. Right. So um, you know, I. I, I value those positions. Uh, I work very much towards that overall 30,000 foot view and, and do everything <laughs> I can to to support the competitiveness of all those sectors. Yes. Uh, all of the above. That's my job. And um, yeah, that's how I, how I look at it. Wonderful. No, and that's, I think that clears up for some people, you know, on both sides. I think it's good for, for everyone to know on, on if you're, if you're full, full solar and wind, you know, or you're full, you know, uh, fossil fuels. It's like, well, look, we've, this is why the WA was created is like, um, 
as I always say, free market, you know, that for, for us, the consumer, <laughs> that's the best, you know, cause, um, you, you know, cheap, cheap, reliable energy. That's all we really care about until you, mm-hmm. you know, unless you really care about the emissions part of it. So, um, let's dive into, cause you've done, um, you know, most of your career was kind of into this whole carbon sequestrian, um, sequestrian, um, and like that, the carbon yeah. capture, um, talk a little bit about that. Cause I think, it's really cool. It's really exciting, but I think some people don't understand the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, t- I, and I should say they're two different things, I guess. Cause they're, um, anyway, you go, you go into it. You'll, you'll, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're on the, you're on the money there, Aaron. It is a complex system, right? It is people, um, you know, if, when you think about, you ask somebody to, to understand or think about what renewable energy means, um, it's easy for them. It's intuitive because you can drive in any direction in the state and eventually you'll see a wind turbine. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tangible. It's real. You can see it on the horizon. You get it. it the wind turns that fan and electricity comes out. Okay, I understand that. Um, with CCUUS, carbon capture, utilization and storage or sequestration, um, the, yeah, it's, it's very complex and there are multiple parts to it. <clears throat> so if, if you're at a large emitter uh, within the state, say a, a coal-fired power station, if, you, if one wants to consider CCUS as a, as a viable option for themselves, they have to figure out so many different things. They have to figure out how are we going to capture this CO2? That's, that's, and that's an enormous problem in, in and of itself. How to do that efficiently is really problematic. Um, then, okay, we've captured it. Then what? We have to figure out how to compress it. Okay, that's not too difficult. But then we have to get it, uh, build a pipeline. Okay, well, I'm a, for example, I'm a public utility. I don't know anything about pipelines. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I have to find a place to stick it underground, a sequestration site. Like I said, I'm a public utility. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know anything about sequestration or reservoir quality or injectivity or hysteresis or anything like that. Right. So it is a really huge ask for any sort of large emitting source to figure out all of it, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let alone a member of the public. Um, trying to understand all the different components is, is challenging. So the, the simplest description is simply um, it, you go to a, a coal-fired power station, and on the on the flue stack there, on the on the emission stack, you you install some infrastructure that captures the CO2, right. filters the CO2 out of the gas. You capture it, get it to a higher concentration, compress it, pipeline it somewhere, and then inject it um, seven thousand feet uh, deep, either into an old oil reservoir, into an old saline aquifer, uh, and it's stored there for thousands of years. Gotcha. That's, that's the simple idea. Yes. Um, but of course, with, with every simple idea, the, the devil's in the details, right? And it is a, it is no, there's no uh, under, overstating how, how complex it really is. Right. Um, for us, one thing that we're, one of those initiatives we looked at, <clears throat> excuse me, and I apologize for the listeners, I'm, I'm uh, fighting a cold. I don't normally sound like a frog when I'm, <laughs> oh, you when I'm speaking. Good. But you're, you're good. <laughs> okay, good. The uh, so one of the things we're looking at at the at the authority is the establishment of of sequestration hubs or sequestration as a service. So okay. um, you might have heard that we have this pipeline corridor initiative within Wyoming. We have uh, Class Six primacy within Wyoming, which is essentially the ability to permit sequestration wells. Mm-hmm. And one thing we kicked around is okay, now what? 
And an idea we have is that we there's potential for Wyoming to establish public-private partnerships where we go out and develop these sequestration sites completely characterize them, do all the permitting, get ready to drill even, uh, working with a commercial partner who understands all the operational risk. Uh, the state, essentially, or the, the authority itself, to be specific, takes care of the strategic liability risk. And then you can essentially sell that back to an emitter as a service, as a, on a per-ton basis, basically. Okay. You, you, you want to access this sequestration site? It's fine. It's X dollars per ton. That's it. That's all you have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And so that large emitter that for that coal-fired power station, for example, that's a big part of that problem statement has just been taken off, taken care of now. They don't have to worry about it. Right. And um, the risk profile goes down for them. Uh, they don't have to figure out how to characterize a well. Uh, they don't have to worry about that liability issue. They can move a whole bunch of CapEx cost into OpEx, which is good for the balance sheet. Um, it just helps people get it done. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, CCUS is is vital to to Wyoming. It's actually absolutely critical technology that we have to roll out. Uh, we're doing things in the meantime to try and make that easier. Um, and in many ways, I actually think if um, if if we are to get CCUS spun up in the next five years or so, the best opportunity is actually through that the the blue hydrogen example I mentioned. Okay, because they're there's a lot of interest now. There's a lot of momentum. It's a little bit like striking while the iron is hot. Okay, there's mm-hmm. interest in blue hydrogen. Let's go there. And we can advance the hydrogen story at the same time as we're advancing the CCUS story. Right. And then, okay, once we establish that technology, the CCUS piece, then then the large post-combustion emitters can 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 get on board, hopefully, yeah. and move forward. Awesome. Well, and, and I think this, this technology, you know, when this started coming out, um, you know, the thing, the thing that this technology does, as you just mentioned, is like blue hydrogen. Um, now we have a coal fired power plant that is zero emissions. Um, mm-hmm. and then I think there's even like Ramico's out here in Sheridan. Um, and I, I believe other, other companies and other innovators are going to come to Wyoming because now you've got a product, you've got CO2. And, and I think mm-hmm. we're, we're also going to that stretch of what can we do with that other than just, you, you know, storing it in, in zero emissions. But now, you know, there's, there are companies and people that want to do stuff with CO2 as well. Yeah. Do, do you see that also as kind of, it'd be, yeah. it wouldn't, I mean, it's energy, but you know, now it's manufacturing maybe. Yeah. You're on the money completely again. Um, so yeah, you're, you're right. The, if you establish that sort of that, that basis of mm-hmm. infrastructure and talent and skill, then the ancillary sort of side industries, manufacturing, um, the uh, manufacturing and services as well, there's potential there as well to build up more and more and more. And that's right. also critical because Wyoming has been historically characterized by these very short value chains, right? Extract the coal, put in a train, ship it to, to Texas, and that's it. And there's not a lot of added value in that. So what you're getting at, Aaron, is a far more integrated, uh, far more non-linear value chain where there's a ton of added value. You start right. to build um, these high um, science and technology-based uh, products and services that are a ton more value. People get paid a heck of a lot more to work in them, and it's far better for the state overall. So, yep. yeah, it's the, the, the potential and the prospectivity there is certainly there also incredibly challenging, right? Trying to get any economy from a primary industry like Wyoming or New Zealand. New Zealand had to deal with this 
has dealt with this 20 years or so. How do you get an energy, any any economy which is based in a primary resource to a tertiary, a secondary or tertiary um, resource base right. is really, really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it starts with a foundation. And if you have the foundation, then people come in and develop it over time. So uh, very much enjoy working with people at the Business Council who think about this every day. Um, incredibly challenging, but it's a huge opportunity as well. Yeah, awesome. Well, I want to keep this nice and short for our listeners, Glenn. Um, my last thing is... Uh, well, two things. What is, you know, cause obviously this year, uh, you know, the legislature's in right now, they've got big things to cover. Um, but I, I will say they've done a great job and I think, you know, it's really just one big issue left, but for WEA in the near future, so say one, two years, uh, what do you see as kind of, uh, immediate goals? You know, obviously we've got the big, we kind of just hit on like, that's our big, uh, th- thousand foot view, but what is your immediate one to two year goals? And then, um, how can people find, um, WEA or like you guys are very active on LinkedIn, but, um, y- you know, other, other ways people can reach out yeah. to you guys and, and get information. Yeah, sure. So the first thing we're, we're trying to do is to, uh, in the immediate, you know, one or two years, is to get um, we'll get that strategy set right, so that there the pieces, the building blocks are in place for things to to evolve on onto in the next five to ten years. Okay. Um, next thing though, in terms of we don't know, also don't want to wait for the strategy to be at some point we then you start doing something. So at the same time, we have hydrogen, we have sequestration initiative underway, uh, and we're um, working with the legislation to uh, to get uh, extra funding to, to get behind some of those build outs um, not re- not R&D, not technology development, but actual commercial deployment of these technologies yep. is one of the biggest goals we have in the next one, one or two years. Um, just get some steel in the ground and get these things proved out. Um, so strategy, getting everyone pulling on the same rope at the same time, get some steel in the ground and get these things proven out is the, are the two biggies, okay? Um, then... Uh, and yeah, it's, it's fun. It's challenging. Yeah, you know, no, it's a good challenge. It's big. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about that because I, you can probably tell I'm excited about these things. And then, um, to the second question, really great question. The, the easiest way for anybody to reach out to the WEA is go through our website and it is yoenergy.org. Okay. So Easy. It's a, be careful. It's a dot org. Um, and there through that, you get a lot of information, a lot of material, uh, a lot of contact information there. You can contact me directly through that site. Uh, but you can also see, you can also sign up for our newsletter there, which is published monthly. And also there's, um, every now we, um, I provide an update to my board of directors on a monthly basis okay. and the, that it's a public meeting. So all that information, the login information is there. Uh, unfortunately the meeting, it takes place at 7am every second Thursday, uh, every, yeah, the second Thursday of every month. So it's a little early, but, um, if you want to get the, the latest on everything, uh, that's probably the best avenue to come through. Okay. So yeah, multiple different ways. And it's a very, very open shop. Anybody, wants to talk to me about this stuff, um, I guarantee, I promise anybody who's listening, I'll find the time to get back to you eventually. Wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, you've, um, just to, you know, finish up, you know, you've had your schoolings in geology. You guys have been out here, you know, you've been in Wyoming, so you know, Wyoming really well. Um, this is a fairly new, I mean, kind of, it was like you said, it was the, the pipeline, um, uh, authority, um, and infrastructure. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, they, those were existing 
groups, but kind of merged together. So anyways, so WEA is a little new, but not really. Um, but, um, I love your guys's, I'm part of the newsletter. I, I follow you guys on LinkedIn and, um, this was very enlightening for me kind of to get a little more background on you and then a little more background on the authority. And, um, and I hope for our listeners, it cleared up the whole, the carbon capture thing, you know, so everyone understands, you know, it's, it's exciting, but it's also, there's a lot more work to be done, um, in talking about it. So, uh, Glenn, I appreciate your time. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Um, if there's ever, you know, use us as a resource, you know, we, we try and reach out to the whole state of Wyoming. You know, if there's ever anything you see that are like, ah, that's, you know, that's not really correct. Um, you know, you could always shoot us an email, let us know, and we can, uh, we'll report it for you. So, um, but, uh, and then if you guys ever want to come back on too, to talk about something, let us know. But, um, yeah, Glenn, thanks for your time and, um, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah. uh, Thanks, Aaron. My pleasure really was. Um, I will absolutely take you up on that. I'll come back and and speak to you again and hopefully we have some good progress reports. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Look forward to it. Well, Glenn, thanks again for your time. And uh, that was Glenn Morell at the Wyoming Energy Authority.